Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together business owners, leaders and experts to talk about their business journeys and provide them with invaluable insights and explore the link between personal and business success. I am your host, Warren Munson, founder of Evolve. I've previously founded, grown and successfully exited three businesses in the business services and technology sectors. I have a passion for helping and advising businesses and seeing them succeed. We all know that leading and running a business comes with its own unique joys and challenges and Evolve provides the advice, guidance and support to the business, you and your teams on that journey, be that if you're starting, growing or looking to exit or step away from your business. We do this through our Ignite, Thrive and Optimize programs and services, which includes strategic advice, coaching and mentoring, leadership training, funded business support and so much more. If you want to learn more about Evolve, then please do go to evolveadvisory.co.uk or connect and message me on LinkedIn. For now though, let's just get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My guest this week is Sally Henderson, a high stakes leadership mentor. She set up her mentoring business in 2011 and prior to this spent 20 years running her own business and being very successful in the headhunting and recruitment world. It was at this time that she learned and understood about leadership and what success for leaders meant and led her to create the business she runs today. During the course of our conversation, we discuss at length her methodology and her approach called The Real Method. We also cover subjects such as the importance of having a growth mindset, how leaders lead through fear, and if you're being led in that way, how you can approach that situation. The way in which you can appoint your own leadership coach and mentor and some hints and tips around that, and also the importance of understanding the motivation of yourself and your team, and so much more. This is a great conversation around the subject of leadership, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Sally. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hi, Warren. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to our call. Yeah, I'm really enjoying and looking, been looking forward to this conversation all around leadership and some of the experience that you have in helping others improve their leadership. But we should probably start with a little bit for our listeners about your story. And prior to establishing your mentoring business, you had more than 20 years experience as a headhunter working with senior executives, the teams and their leaders. So I'm intrigued to learn a little bit about that story, that journey. What led you to become a mentor and a coach? Um, and you know, perhaps some of the lessons you learned during that period that now help you do what you're doing today. Thank you. Yeah, it was a, it was a fascinating part of my career and one that I think does help me differentiate and add a different lens of value in the current career I have as a high stakes leadership mentor. So when I set up um, my own recruitment agency, I think I think it's fair to say most people don't go into recruitment by choice. They kind of find it or it finds mm. them. But the thing I loved about it was the, and it might sound a bit trite, uh, but forgive me, was the ability to actually help. I think recruitment rightly has a bad press because a lot of people in that industry just want to make money. For me, the money and the success was a natural byproduct of doing the right thing relentlessly. <laughs> and I couldn't quite understand why everyone else didn't do it that way. But the business I had was called The Career Company. And our focus was equally on client and candidate need and value, because I believed that 
you have to get it right. I have a saying, Warren, that I've had for my whole career, and I still have it now, is that the naked truth will always conquer. And so when I was in the headhunting world and recruitment world, I felt very privileged to be at the coalface of naked truth all the time around talent, business, needs, growth, failure, um, everything and every essence of leadership. If you do your training and your apprenticeship, if you like, in recruitment, it's a very good learning ground. So what did I learn? I learned that assumption is the absolute devil of growth, <laughs> especially at senior leadership level, because when people get senior, when they're recruiting for other people, everyone assumes that you have all the answers, which I found time and time again was furthest from the truth. So I would do my absolute best to set up and deliver a very senior brief in the most professional, career-led, integrity-led way, and it would be a wonderful experience for all. And then it's when I stepped away from the program, the client, the delivery, that things would go wrong because there was no one objective properly going, hang on a minute, do you know what you mean by that job? Do you know how to onboard this new talent, who was, by the way, a competitor until a week ago, <laughs> into your culture? And how you, are you caring for the human needs in this and the natural fear and uncertainty that is inevitable bedfellow with change? And in recruitment, I would see time and time again that that's where people fell down. They just made assumptions yeah. because you're senior or you've got C-suite in your title or you're being paid over a certain salary level, you've got the answers and aren't you lucky we're paying you to bring them to us? And that just isn't the case. So I think what I saw over and over again and why I chose to leave my recruitment career, because people said to me, oh, you're not like all the others, Sally. And that's actually because I was coaching and mentoring from the get-go. Okay. So it's always been part of you. You probably didn't realize it at the time, but it's part of your approach, methodology, business model. Yeah. Yeah. I always, was, I, I joke that I'm a frustrated planner, strategist meets psychologist because <laughs> I've got a framework and a tool and a model for everything. And if I don't, well, I'll just create one and make it work in that moment. So, so yeah, I kept seeing that, gosh, I, I think I have a bigger role to play in the world, quite frankly, on helping people with change, leadership and growth. And that my recruitment career was a fantastic, as I said, apprenticeship bedrock for how how it can work if you get it right. But just all the common, common problems mm. that get overlooked at peril, no matter the scale of business, by the way, it happens just as much in an SME independent business as it does in a major brand and as a network. The common problems are the same. It's just how they play out is different. And the common problems are these that you don't often have time and space to think about change and leadership and growth in an ambitious, successful business. And the biggest challenge, I think, at senior growth is that everyone assumes that you know what your job is. Mm. So I often ask, especially CEOs, so for any CEO listening, this is for you, <laughs> um, but it does work across any leader or owner, to be fair. I'll ask them this question. I'll say, oh, can I just ask you a question, please? And it's always important to get permission. And they'll go, yeah, of course. And I'll say, now, can you just tell me what your job is? And they'll pause and they'll look at me a bit bemused, as in, why on earth are you asking such an obvious question? And I'll say, no, no, I know you're the CEO or wherever or the owner of whatever business, but just tell me on our call or on our meeting, what is your job? And normally, Warren, two, two things happen. They'll either, well, after the look of surprise, <laughs> because once you hit a certain level, people stop asking you that question. Because they yeah. assume that everyone, including you, understands it. But this is what happens. They'll either, and forgive me, I forget which way the eyes go, but it's either up or back, you know, left or right. But they, they'll either construct and they'll start to think, God, what is my job? And they'll make something up on the spot. <laughs> or they'll look the other way and try and remember what was 
what's in their file somewhere in their system around, yeah. oh, this is the job I accept. I, I, um, this is what my roles and responsibilities oh. kind of say and start to yeah quote yeah. that verbatim type thing. And, and the other really fascinating thing that happens when people do that, either construct or recall, is they this happens and they don't even notice it. Their voice tone drops, their body language drops, and they sound bored, which is fascinating. Mm. And they aren't even conscious because they've just, they're either recalling or creating, but it's not in their blood. It's not their North Star. It's not their calling. And they're not clear how to, how to share it. And if you're an owner of a business, the whole joy of being an entrepreneur is that you don't want structure. You don't want to be tied down. You like freedom. And I get all of that. But you've probably never actually really stopped to think, what is my job? And particularly those that start businesses. But I can see it's the same for a, a PLC's CEO, isn't it? You go into the role or you start a business because you have this focus, you have this passion, this belief that you can make change happen and that you really have a passion for what that business does or could do. But somewhere along the line through growth or through just life, you know, people get where worn down don't they? and they lose that kind of, you use the phrase, and I love it, North Star. They lose that North Star, that thing that underpins everything they are and who they are and what they represent and start just to, you know, do the day job as a kind of in a mundane kind of way. It's not even just that one. That, that can happen. But my I specialise in working with the best and making them better. So all my clients are extremely successful, extremely talented, very passionate, uh, normally very prominent and vocal in the world about what they do believe and what they're doing. But even they lose connection with their purpose, their North Star and their job. Mm -hmm. They just don't realize it. So that piece around their voice tone dropping and sounding bored is not a reflection on their commitment or belief in their role. It's the disconnect within themselves about it because they're not even conscious that's happening to them. And that's yeah. the fascinating bit. But it's it's that disconnect around the clarity of your job and what it means that I think just drags performance unnecessarily and can cause so much stress and confusion. And it's one of the biggest things I help people sort out is the simple, simple, smart things around what is your job and how do you set up to thrive in it as a senior leader, as an owner, especially when the stakes are high. And can you talk us through perhaps a case study or an example obviously without quoting names of, you know, somebody that you've worked with that you've gone on that journey with and the success that it's had and it's led to? Oh, my gosh, I can give you lots of names. I mean, anything that I quote here is all in the public domain. But I'm going to give you sort of a bit of a, a, a smorgasbord, if you like, of clients. So I, I work with the big guys like NatWest. I was working with their um, group marketing team around team effectiveness I work in various different divisions of Nestle, uh, looking at developing connected teams that win. Um, I had the most amazing privilege to work with Coca-Cola throughout um, the COVID periods when the Tokyo Games were being put on. I mean, talk about high stakes and working with the unknown. I don't think it gets more intense than the Olympic Games in a global pandemic. But also I've been working with uh, management consultancies who have bought lots of creative agencies like Accenture Song and what on earth do we do to make leadership sing in a wholly new way of defining a market and an industry uh, and the clashing of creativity and consultancy and where's the, the benefit around that. And then there's some interesting smaller um, agencies. So I've been working with a business called Fluency, which is part of MNC Saatchi network in advertising. And that leadership team 
brought me in to help them really recalibrate and grow as a really ambitious leadership team in a new entity within M&C Saatchi, which was a business called Fluency, who actually won um, the gold award for um, startup last year by Campaign Magazine uh, in the advertising world. And they very kindly cited me as being a big reason for their success. Because, wow. yeah, I was very touched. I mean, I really love every client. Uh, but when they publicly acknowledge the impact I've had on them, that's that's another level. Because they said, look, uh, and they, they did, you know, I'll blush here, no one can see this, but I'm Yorkshire. But yeah, I will say it anyway, because they called me a leadership guru, which was very generous and kind of them. But they brought me in to help them understand their own leadership and power better. And how that leadership style and impact, the clarity around their roles, the, the motivation, the confidence, the authenticity which is common to all those names I've just quoted yeah. you, that's what I work with my clients about. It's very rare a client will come to me with something that I haven't had another client talk to me about at this stage in my own career. Because I say, I say to my clients, and I joke with them, I hate to tell you, but you're not special. <laughs> you <know? laughs> what you're bringing to my table for any senior, ambitious, successful business, be you a startup, be you an agency, be you a network, be you a brand. There's such commonality in them, which is is why I created the career company. Sorry, the career company, that's my first business. Uh, why I created the real method, because it's about helping with those common challenges, but in a bespoke and unique way. And I will just give you one last case study, an amazing business, a shout out to Steve Ween, who founded Distillery. And I started working with Steve when he had, I think, nine employees in a pretty unglamorous basement office in Percy Street, central London. And we, we used to meet in the most unflattering meeting room known to mankind and, and laugh about the lack of light and that was at a stage Steve's ex-Google he's incredibly talented and that was at a stage where the reality of being an entrepreneur and growing a company was really biting because mm -hmm. you have people to manage you have offices to think how do we get a better one you know you have all the unglamorous things that go with being an entrepreneur and the and, and dispelling the myth that, oh, you work for yourself, you have so much freedom. No, I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> so Steve was at this it's pinch point going, um, wow, this business is really bloody hard to grow. And I've got enough people. I've still got vision, but I'm not getting to be creative at all because, you know, I've got to just run this business. And it's tiring. And I worked with Steve probably on and off over two years, supported him and his business through COVID, got to work at a wider level across the whole business. Steve is now, this is about three or four years later, I'd hazard a guess. Steve is now global CEO of a business that has offices in and beautiful offices in central London, in Singapore, in San Francisco, and have just opened up in Dubai. Wow. You end with that case study, and that's quite an interesting one, isn't it? For, the, for those business owners, business leaders in the SME world looking to scale, and, and that's rapid scale, but when you're going through scale, you're role as a leader changes so much doesn't it you know that yeah. example he was hands-on he's doing it he's trying to move and change where they're going to occupy and what the lease is and manage people and then just you need to bring in a leadership team or a management team and you know develop them how do people successfully go through that journey because you see many leaders go through that journey and stumble you know, learn some harsh lessons along the way, mm. get to a point, you know, fall backwards, go again, fall backwards, and maybe they're making some incremental steps on the way. But for somebody to have gone through the journey in quite a rapid way, is there some lessons that you could perhaps share or techniques or what you think they did well to enable that to happen with your support? <laughs> well, this is going to sound... Uh 
a trite cliche answer, but you know what? It's the truth is that they took the brave step to invest at not an insignificant, insignificant level with the right expertise and support for their growth when it mattered mm. most. So Steve thought long and hard about hiring me when he did back then, because I joke I'm like Stella. I am reassuringly expensive, but it's true. Um, Good market positioning. <laughs> I believe in the power of what I do profoundly and, the, and its value. And I don't. I always, though, really respect, especially for SMEs and, and growing businesses, that finding that money can be very scary mm. because cash flow is king and queen. And in this current market, it's difficult. Let's be honest. It's not easy for a lot of people. But... If you spend, if you choose or when you choose to spend your budget very wisely with the right people, because I've made mistakes, I've spent precious budget on the wrong people. And you think, gosh, you of all people should know not to do that. But we're all, we've all got our vulnerabilities as business owners. So I'd say what Steve did that made a massive difference is to invest in the right support at the right time, which I was able to come in and equip him with knowledge, insight better understanding of his own vulnerabilities and strengths, but very importantly in how I do it, I'm not saying I'm for everybody, but you know, find you find the right one for you. I gave him a toolkit, a toolkit that worked in the real world, hence my program's called The Real Method, that just helped him accelerate his growth with less stress, less anxiety and greater certainty. So I think the lessons around leadership and, and going through those pain points is also knowing your North Star. Like Steve passionately believed in his product and his business. And, it, and he was at the cutting edge uh, and he had a very good offer for market and he knew that. The thing that I think people fall down on is they burn out. Mm. The the job they end up doing is not the one they thought they wanted to do. And, they're bored. and they don't keep their own growth ahead of the growth curve of their business. Because they, as you said, Warren, very different leadership, very different skills, very different knowledge needed at different stages of business growth. I think people run into trouble when they don't see that and recognize its importance and reckon they can wing it because you can to a degree and every entrepreneur out there has winged it, including me. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't be brave enough to do it in the first place. But there comes a point where that natural entrepreneurial chutzpah and confidence and energy and resilience has to meet practitioner expertise, be that you know, and that practitioner has to the right lawyer that you use, the right accountant that you use, the right branding, the right HR. But what people often leave off that list is their leadership. Yeah, they neglect themselves. Utterly, yeah. yeah definitely, definitely. And it is an interesting thing that you talk about, uh, there's, there's a few things we can pick up on, but early on in that piece, you talked about burnout. And some of the you know literature and, and articles and blogs that you've written talk about you know, doing, being a leader in a really healthy way. And perhaps you could explain more about what you feel and mean about that, Sally, because, you know, whether you're an ambitious CEO of a PLC or you are that startup entrepreneur, you know, you are usually a very driven individual, aren't you? And therefore, perhaps living life in balance and taking your own health seriously isn't unfortunately isn't a natural tendency is it so how do you get people to think about living a more healthy life i think it's 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 a very relative and subjective question hmm. because if someone's had burnout or had difficulties with health they value it immensely if someone's an absolute machine and has never even paused for breath and hasn't needed to they they won't for understandable reasons but 
There's a tool I use in the real method called, uh, it's from a module called Stamp. And it's the five R's to drive successful change. And one of those R's is rhythm, which before COVID was a bit of the unloved second cousin, you know. Um, But since during and since COVID, rhythm is, I think, a competitive competitive advantage. If you get it right, it will transform your life on every level. Because we don't yet in the world of work understand the right rhythm around what work should look like in this modern world. Should it be office bound? Should it be hybrid? Should it be a mix of both? Is it a four-day week? Is it a five-day week? Is it okay to ask people to work long hours? Is it not? I mean, all these things we just don't know the answers to. And I'm not saying we had them before. We were stuck in terrible routines and rhythms before, but at least everyone knew where they stood. But for success and for health, you have to understand your rhythm and your rhythm privately and your rhythm professionally. And in that, it's things like, when do you make time for exercise, family, friends, downtime? You know, when do you make time for different priorities in your business with other people? And just really mapping out your annual, your biannual, your quarterly, your monthly, your weekly, your daily rhythm. Because by understanding that, you can see where where are your priorities going? What's falling off the list? Do you have a rhythm? Is it effective? And is it in sync with other people? And is it working for or against you? Mm. And with rhythm, you have to have rituals. So when pre-COVID, everyone, whether you loved it or hated it, normally had a commute, okay? And that commute could be horrific, it could be okay, but it would give you a ritual of decompressing. So for me, I live in Tunbridge Wells. I used to go to London every week, twice a week before COVID, and I would have my ritual on the train. I would normally be lucky enough to get a seat. Isn't that sad? (laughs) That's the lucky thing to say in the modern world of work. But that would be my 50 minutes of going through all the emails, getting everything done. And then when I had a 50 minute walk home, so I got a bit of fitness as well, or 20 minute walk home. By the time I opened my front door, I've done it. I'm back and I'm Mm. mum and wife uh, and I'm Sally again. Whereas in this world, especially in COVID, you'd open the door and literally be, mum, I'm hungry. You're like, oh my God, give me a break. I've just been coaching CEO through a massive change. (laughs) I haven't thought about tea yet. (laughs) So I, I think... And I still haven't recalibrated my own rhythm. I'll be very transparent about that. In fact, I'm, I'm hiring a coach for me because I, I recognize that my energy levels need support and my rhythm is a little bit out of sync around putting my needs first on the table. So, you know, I hear and see you all guys and I walk you walk. Um, but to be successful, no matter what the scale of your business, just strip it down to simple rhythm. I get that. And if you can understand your rhythm, you can understand where you're being inconsistent, can't you? And where you can improve your performance. And uh, possibly where you are making compromises or if you do make a compromise because you understand your rhythm, you understand the compromise you're making. Yes, but then you have to ask yourself opportunity cost. Yeah. And here's a really interesting quick learning um, from the classic word, world of neuro, neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. When I first learned this over 20 years ago, it blew my mind because the, the word try is the British way I say of politely saying no. <laughs> yeah. yeah so if you're trying to have a better rhythm if you're trying to put your health and well-being first so that you can excel as a business owner and leader you're kidding yourself quite frankly you can't try you're either not doing it doing it not so good but try you know yeah, then you can be trying to improve it because you're actually doing it or you're smashing it out of the park yeah 
But if I had tried to turn up for our conversation today, Warren, how confident would you have been that I'd be here? <laughs> yeah, if yeah. your response hadn't been an, an assertive, yes, I'll be there, and it'd be, I'll try and get there, yeah. I'd have been lingering, waiting, yeah. But but it wouldn't be my fault if I didn't turn up, would it? Because I did tell you I'd try. Yeah. yeah, and I did, Warren, I tried really bloody hard. <laughs> yeah? yeah? And that's the thing. Often you'll hear leaders and business owners especially going, oh, but I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying to get home for the kids or the wife or the husband or the partner or the dog, yeah. whatever it might be. I'm trying to take holidays. I'm trying not to look at my email at 10 o'clock at night. Well, then you're not, not, are you? No. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I forget why that blew your mind. I've, I've got off on a yeah. little tangent myself of all the things that I say I'm trying to do right now. So. Well, but once you know, you can never put the genie back in the box no. and then it's up to you to take accountability for it. Yeah. So if I ever do use the word try... I know I'm, I consciously am using it, but to be honest, 99.9% of the time, I just don't use that word because it's, it's, it's not helping me or anyone else. Really good insight for our listeners there. And you talked a couple of times about, you know, your methodology, your approach um, called the real method. So could you just tell us, our listeners a little bit about that, Sally? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. So the real method is bringing the wonderful, reassuring presence of structure to the chaotic and difficult lives of leaders and teams. <laughs> because often in the coaching world, and I do stress that I'm a, I'm a leadership mentor, not a coach, because I'm more directive in my style. But what my clients are very talented, very clever, very switched on people. They're not missing the smarts. Mm. They're missing often the structure, the how. So it's just like, how on earth do I do that? And especially if my brain is overloaded and I don't have enough time in the day anyway, I don't have any bandwidth to think about how. So the real method, its power is in simple, smart frameworks and they're modular in design, but they're always bespoke in experience and delivery because for one leader, for one team, it's a different ask. There's commonality and there's a normal way of doing it. However, I'll always make it bespoke to whoever I'm working with at any given time because it's what's gonna be right for them. But in essence, the real method, it's all about proper rubber on the road in the real world. You know, I'm a, I'm a Yorkshire direct woman, so it all has to be straight talking, you know, easy. You know, every module has just one word <laughs> as, a, as a title, no fluff here. So we start with um, Prime, where we're really understanding what's going on for the team. If it's a team piece, I always canvas sponsors and the team. So the team has a voice in their own growth. Mm -hmm. So again, if you're an owner of a business and you're wanting to grow your senior team, please do not make the classic error of training them. <laughs> senior teams, there's a place for training that get me wrong. But if you want to grow their leadership, do it with them, not for them. Yeah. Don't make decisions on their behalf. So Prime is all about what it says on the tin. Yeah. <laughs> Priming for what should this program be all about. And that also works one-to-one. -one. And then we go to normally starting with Reveal which is about your motivation. And you and I, Warren, were talking about yeah. motivational maps. And we that's, that's the only tool in my arsenal that's not my own IP and creation because I have no, no knowledge nor need to know how to create an ISO-accredited online assessment <laughs> tool. There's one perfectly out there in the world that I'm very delighted to be accredited in actually delivering called Motivational Map Profiling. And the reason I love that is because it's not a psychometric. No. And all the time my clients get to me, they've done a trillion psychometrics. They don't want another. The difference with motivational map profiling is it gives you a quantified um, measurement around your motivation in a snapshot in time. Mm -hmm. 
So it's really immediate. It's very reflective of what's going on now. And you can retest it and you can take action straight and away. And it does from change it. and evolve on like perhaps a psychometric yeah. way you know, to a certain yeah. degree. You are who you are, aren't you? Exactly, exactly. Uh, but motivation does yeah, change. Absolutely. I mean, I've tested myself every year. I've done about six now. And and there's been certain commonality throughout all because I am who I am. But definitely as I've grown and as my own business has grown, my motivation and their needs have been grown and have changed. But also what I love about motivational map profiling is it gives you the insight as to how your needs are not or are being met. Mm. So you can take very uh, targeted action. And it's not done under the error of assumption. Yeah, and they are. We'll we'll come back to the real method, but we'll sort of deviate slightly. I think motivational maps is brilliant. We've used it, you know, for our team, and actually understanding what and what motivates somebody, and them understanding what motivates them, and then you have mm -hmm. a discussion around, you know, their one to one and their development and what they're going to do, and you start to see how you can shape their role to give them joy. Yeah. And to make them more motivated. But, you know, we've also seen it, you know, from particularly with the trainees, you know, how they join us perhaps as a graduate. And if they stay with us four or five years, how their motivations change mm -hmm. as their life develops totally. and changes. Yeah. And it, yeah. It's such a flexible and great tool. Yeah. Definitely one to use. And also for understanding team dynamics. Mm, yeah. Because you can have the skill set, the culture fit, the roles. If you don't understand the motivational, you're missing a massive piece in yeah, my book. Definitely. Um, definitely. So we, we normally start with that because it's a nice baseline and it's a great um, win from an I perspective and a we perspective if I am doing teamwork. But the real method is designed equally for teams and one-to-one. -one. Okay. And then normally I'll go to STAMP, which is all about your role, okay. how to understand it. And that has a tool within it called the five R's to drive successful change, which I talked about rhythm. Yeah. Uh, in that and it's looking at your north star your remit your rhythm your results and really importantly especially at senior and owner level the reward okay. like, why are you bothering yeah. <laughs> above and beyond a paycheck or building a you know financially successful company what is it you're personally getting out of this from growing yourself as a reward yeah. and that breaks into lots of different levels uh, but it's very simple and very easy to understand. And therefore, the five R's also works very well for, from a recruitment and retention point of view, which, again, I want my work and the ROI from any budget or time spent with me to be working as, as much as it can, not just with my direct clients, but within that company as well. And once we've done Stamp, we then move to Sculpt. And Sculpt is all about understanding your unique leadership style and okay. impact. And it uses a tool, a technique called leadership vision boarding. Now, that is not unique to me, but the way I do sculpt is unique to me. And what I like to do is to get people to future forecast their leadership. So let's just say your company's going through growth or you're merging or, or you just want to do a bit of a check-in. It doesn't have to be a major event happening. But what I would advise you to do is go a year in the future, or if it's very high scale, high intensity change, maybe just six months or even just a quarter in the future, and ask yourself, how has my leadership evolved as a result of successfully successfully leading my company or team through that significant moment mm -hmm. or that time frame, and start to make it real because people know the answers to this yeah. if you ask them. And then you create a, a literal vision board of images that reflect how your leadership has grown when you're a year in the future. And then, hey, presto, your brain does not know the difference between past, present and future. It's a fact. Yeah, okay. Your brain does not know the difference really between past, present and future, because time is a construct. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I'm with you. <laughs> How often do you worry about the past? Sorry, you 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 lament on the past mm. and you think, God, I can't believe that happened. And it feels as real as if it's happening in the now. Absolutely, yeah. But it's gone. It's, it's gone. the past. Yeah. How often do you think about the future and you worry yeah. about clients, revenue, staff, mergers, growth, retirement, whatever it might be, and it hasn't happened? No. But you're worrying about it as if it's real. Yeah. I get that yeah. now. I get that in the context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get, yeah. And very rarely as a business owner, are you in the present? Yeah. Rightly so as well, because you hang in the present, you'll get left behind, but equally you're not connected to the now. And therefore your brain also can't distinguish between fact and fantasy. It really can't. Yeah. You know, one person can come away from a meeting completely convinced they've heard X and Y. Same, someone else from the same meeting, it was one and two. What are you talking about, X and Y? It was one and two, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and... You know, they can, they're both convinced they're right because yeah. that's their subjective lens. So back to the sculpt, you use this uh, way that the brain works. And often the subconscious, when it's doing this stuff, is not actually working in your favor, even though we think it is. That's another conversation for another time, maybe. But you go to the future and you create how your leadership has grown at a certain point in the future and what's changed as a result of that about your own unique leadership. Mm. Because what you don't want to be is trying to be like or not like someone else. That's the biggest mistake a lot of leaders make. I never want to be like that awful person I work for. At yeah. that or oh, I wish I could be like them. Well, you're neither either. You're you that. are who you are, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. We're individuals and that's the great thing about human nature and leadership, isn't it? It is. So if, we, if you create sculpts and you create that future leadership vision board, you can be it now. So you have a personalized roadmap to accelerate your own growth as a, as a leader unique to you and your business. And you can do that for an individual and for a team. Okay. And that is incredibly powerful. And just the last couple of points is a, I also have a, a module called Strip. Okay. Which is called Strip for a purpose. It is about stripping away everything and getting to that point of naked truth that I talked about right at the beginning of our chat. Because we are emotional beings and rightly so. And we are complex and we all have stuff going on under the hood, both inside and outside of work. So I created a tool called um, Uncomfortable Truths Breaking Bread, which is a structured yet flexible way of allowing either an individual or a team to really go inside and work out what is your uncomfortable truth about something Yeah, that's going on in the workplace and how do we express that healthily um, so that we own it and we can work with it and move it on. But also as a result of doing this particular module of The Real Method, not only do you get to go inside and be honest about what's really going on for you around certain things, and I'm yet to come across any leader or any team that hasn't got some uncomfortable truths going on, no matter how great they are, because yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just reality. Just, yeah, life, yeah. Yeah, but you also get an action plan. Okay. You know, you don't just have a lovely love in or love out Yeah. Um, and go, oh, that feels cathartic. You go, well, it was cathartic, but what are we going to do about it? And Strip has been designed to ensure that there's a plan of action so that you're not just left hanging. So there's that know? action and accountability, which is so important, isn't it? hundred uh, percent. And then we finish off with a, a fuse and a wrap just to make sure. I always like to work to a set tangible um, agreement on goals and benefit and ROI. Yeah. So that, uh, I know one of your questions potentially might be around how do you measure success yeah. and, and where does it go? But for me, it's definitely around making sure we're going to through a program of uh, growth and development accountable to goals. Brilliant. Thank you for just giving us an insight into the real method and some of the deviations along the way that gave some really valuable insights, uh, Sunny. I suppose one of my questions to you, I mean, we've been in a world of change, haven't we? Yeah, We were in a world of change 
pre the pandemic. The pandemic has accelerated the change. We talked briefly about, you know, hybrid, you know, work from home, all of that kind of piece. But there's so much else that is changing the way in which perhaps we think about, and again, we touched on it when we talked about rhythm, how we think about work, how we think about leadership. How do you, you know, stay up to date with perhaps all those leadership trends, the strategies, and how can a leader keep up to date with all of those things to make them the leader they need to be in today's world, which is completely different to where it was definitely three years ago. And it's certain to be different in three years time, isn't it? That's a great question. I think firstly, it starts with the open mindset of wanting to even bother. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. A lot of leaders out there think, oh, I don't need that. Look at me. Yeah. You know, it's that classic. It's a Carol Dweck um, growth mindset book. Yeah about, you know, are you growth mindset? Are you fixed mindset? Do you even think you have things to learn? Yeah. Which might sound like, how can anyone not think that? But, you know, you'd be surprised. Mm. There's some people out there who really do think, do you know what, I'm all right, Jack, and thanks yeah. very much. Uh, and to some point, yes, you are brilliant, but there's always room for growth. Yeah. So I think it starts with that recognition of its value, that it's actually going to be a worthwhile time and effort to actually keep up to date, to keep going. Not just about market trends, but I'm talking very much about your own growth here your own development. But when it comes to being plugged into the market, I think it's about having the right tribe around you, Warren. You know, what what networking groups are you in, both from a learning and support point of view? You making sure that you're talking to competitors in a friendly way because there's no one better to learn from than your competitors. Yeah. Uh, but again, there's a line that comes with that. But when you meet the right people who are value aligned to you, then there's I think there's always I think if COVID taught us anything, it's that competitiveness is no way near as powerful as collaboration mm, definitely. yeah doesn't mean you have to give away all your secrets doesn't no. mean say you, have, you know put yourself at risk for your competitors but there's enough out there for everyone i think if you have a, a a mindset of plentifulness rather than scarcity then you're going to be a radically different leader from the get-go and you can get some of that support can't you i'm a naked kind of plug for Evolve, but through kind of peer groups and through, you know, industry groups. And there's so much of that out there in this day and age, isn't there, where you can sit around the table with like-minded individuals that if it's yeah. facilitated in the right way, you get the right amount of support and encouragement, but that right kind of critical and, you know, constructive challenge as well. Absolutely. And it keeps you on your toes. Yeah. And also, I think finding your peers who want to understand your world. Yeah. Because spouses or partners, they can only do so much and they yeah. also have their own lives. And they so do. they don't want to always hear about work, do they? And friends and family are just that, they're friends and family. So where are your knowledge peers? And also, you know, thinking about who's your board. Mm. And I don't mean your literal board, but your board around your personal growth. You know, if you were going to create a board that's all around growing you and your potential, Who'd be on it? Like, who's going to be your spiritual advisor, your health advisor, your fitness advisor, your romance advisor? You know, it's not just about business. I think to be a successful leader, it's about your whole world being enriched. Yeah, and I suppose, but it comes back to how do you build it into your rhythm, don't you? Because actually, as you, you know, as you develop through management and leadership, you it's not typically courses, is it? You know, you know when you when you're training and developing and early in your career. You go on courses and training programs, as you say, but that's not really where it works and how it should work once you're leading. And the leading is how do you learn from your peer? How do you get coaches, mentors that will support you, as you say? But how do you actually tap into the things that work for you and, and finding 
finding that. There's also one amazing thing that I almost overlooked there, actually, Warren. Thank you for your conversation because it's prompted me to think of this. You're actually one of your best teachers is yourself. Hmm. But we don't ever take, we don't make the space or time to reflect. No. And to actually ask, what have I learned out of that situation? What would I now do differently? Because it's not about being in a vacuum or a bubble. But I think we can make a mistake in this modern age that, oh, there's got to be a book about that. Mm. Or a thought leader out there somewhere who's got the credentials to give me some really bloody great advice. And there will be. But there's also yourself. Mm, You know, you're living your life, no one else. And you will be having so much learning and richness going through your fingertips that you're not even capitalizing on. So, so let's not forget that we are also a great source of knowledge for ourselves if we make the time and space to actually get curious about our own growth and record it. So as we start to wrap up a couple of quick questions, if somebody's listening to this um, and thinking, I do need to tap into a leadership sort of mentor or, or you know, a coach, depending on which is right for them, any hints on tips on how they should look to appoint somebody, any key questions they should be asking of the individual they're talking to? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think first of all, get clear on your brief, write it down. There's a big difference between a mentor and a coach. Now, I'm a hybrid, mm. so I'm a bit confusing because I do both. <laughs> I'm a third lane, um, but my major muscle is mentor. So that means, are you looking for a more direct, but I'm not pure mentor, as in I'm not an non-exec, I haven't done your job before. I'm not mm. trying to give you my nuggets of not technical knowledge. I'm mentoring you on your leadership and your growth. That's my specialism. But ask yourself, am I wanting a facilitated more... Um, supportive oh what do you think the answer is kind of questioning which is coaching because a coach a classic coach should never give you an opinion uh, which would drive me mental to be honest if that was me or or crazy rather so yeah I wouldn't want that personally because I want that sparring Mm. get clear on your brief and then get clear on the kind of partner you're looking for and, and what will make you trust them respect them and get and what kind of value are you looking for from them what's the outcome going to be because you want to make sure their credentials are correct. I think out there, anyone can go on a weekend course and call themselves a coach these days or a mentor or anything. And it's, you know, what experience do you want them to bring to the table in what kind of style and what's going to make it worthwhile of your investment? And I don't just mean money. And then that is another important question to ask yourself. How valuable is this advice and insight to you? You know, how much do you need and want that benefit? And what are you prepared to pay for it? Because, as I said, I'm like Stella. <laughs> I'm not for everyone. Um, but I know the value I offer is for everyone if they're prepared to invest in it and the amb- ambition is there and they really want to grow. Then it's it the, the money becomes meaningless mm. because the ROI is so strong. But you've got to have a sense of where do you feel comfortable investing? The partner, the brief, uh, the style. And, and I think listen to your gut. Is there anything out there? If somebody's listened to this, that they want to improve their leadership, learn more about leadership, what what would that book be then, Sally? It's a really classic book called Who's Moved My Cheese. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Yeah, Ryan? no, we do yeah, it. Yeah. We do some work with organizations, teams around change management, and we give everybody a copy of the book as they sort of leave yeah. the room. Yeah. Yeah, I do something similar. The reason I love that book is it's short. Yeah. It's just <laughs> it's very ridiculous. short. It's in ridiculously big font, which when you first open it, you're like, what's this? It's a child's book. But it's simple. It's under my philosophy of simple, smart. And I know when I was first looking to change my career to uh, to actually have the bravery to walk away from a very successful previous career. You know, I talk about something called stale safety. I'd rather take bold action over stay in stale safety anytime. 
And actually that book, Who Moved My Cheese, was one of my first steps from going from stale safety, which is a theme around the cheese very well, to actually taking some bold action. So yeah, I think, especially if you're like me and you don't like intensive reading to learn, it's it's simple, it's quick, it's fun, but it's really clever. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's it's a really good book. And then my final question on which I always end the podcast is, in terms of coming from your own perspective, what's your definition of personal success, Sally? Oh, that's a good question. Do you know what? This isn't to sound trite or flippant, but it is happiness. It's being happy in who you are, how you show up, how your world is working for you, and knowing that you're, I'm going to sound like a cliche here, but you're on your true path. But I think happiness for me is around just being proud of who I am. And um, sorry, success is for me is about being happy about who I am, because I'm proud of who I am. I'm passionate about how I help. And that's working for me both in my personal and my private, sorry, my personal and my professional world. Brilliant. Thank you. And if people want to learn more about you, what you offer, the real method, where can they go, Sally? Please go to my website. Um, it's just been rebranded and relaunched, actually, which is um, sallyhenderson.co.uk. Uh, you can uh, also go on my learning hub, which is a free resource. It's got lots of really great advice and courses and interviews and thought pieces and videos um, in the learning hub. Sign up to my newsletter, Mentor in Your Pocket, sallyhenderson.co.uk. You'll find out a lot about me there. Sally, thank you for being a great guest on the Evolved Succeed podcast. I've really enjoyed our conversation and your insights into leadership. You've got me thinking. Um, I'm going to immediately find a bit of space, go and grab a coffee and just think about some of the, my approaches to my life, leadership, my own rhythm, etc., uh, etc. Et when we finish this conversation. So thank you for your time this afternoon. Oh, it's been my utter pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. And don't forget, if you'd like to learn more about Evolve and the services we offer and how we can help you and your business confidently start, grow and exit, then please go to evolveadvisory.co.uk. Please also help and support this podcast by subscribing, liking, and giving us a positive review on your favorite listening platform. Thanks for listening and see you next week.